it, sorry. came a long way, so we might have to do like six songs tonight. Okay, maybe only like five. Yeah. Oh, 
Jerry here, we'd still have a fantastic time. I would still preach and we'd pull an altar call and we'd both get saved and go get some chicken, but we're very glad that you are here. And so I want to preach tonight. Golly, I'm telling you, I'm feeling like, man, these folks came a long way. You ought to do one more song. Okay, I didn't get amen. You missed your opportunity. You missed your opportunity. Little too late, Pastor. 
It's a little too late to do the right things now. That's a, some kind of a song. Okay. You twisted my arm. The only reason I'm going to do another song is because I already had a country song set up. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. So I could figure it must be the Lord. Three thirty in the morning, not a soul in sight. City's looking like a ghost town on a moonly summer night. Raindrops on a windshield, there's a storm moving in. He's heading back from somewhere, from a night that's full of sin. Gonna lose your soul. soul every light is burning in the house across town she's waiting by the telephone in her faded flannel gown asking for a miracle hoping she's not right and praying it's not sending that's kept him out all night Lose your soul. Gonna lose your soul. The thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sin filled night. Son, you can't go on out of control. Give your heart to God. Your soul. She's waiting by the window as he pulls into the drive. She rushes out to hold him, thankful he's alive. But on the wind and the rain, the smell of sin it Lightning flashes in her eyes, and he knows that she knows that the thunder rolls, and the thunder rolls. The thunder rolls, and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sin-filled night. Son, you can't go on out of control. Give your heart to God before you lose your soul. Amen. Take my hat off, throw it in the air. That means that's the end of that. All right. I, I just wanted to sing that song. That's all that was. And I kind of manipulated you guys into making me do it so I can say, it's your fault. <laughs> I didn't want to sing three songs, but you kind of, you know. First Corinthians chapter 15. Amen. What a joy that we can be saved on our way to heaven and still have a good time. It, it, it's offensive that there are churches or people that 
make it seem like Christianity is a miserable thing. We ought to be the happiest, most excited people on planet Earth. We ought to be running around here so crazy people are looking at us going, what's wrong with y'all? We live, listen, as a Christian, we get to live wonderful lives. And when it's over, I get to go to heaven. Oh, y'all, oh, I know what the problem is, Pastor. I didn't open my water. I was wondering, what? I told the church this morning the reason why preachers drink water is to give people time to get their amens ready. And so I was wondering what. See that? It works every time. It's the most powerful thing in the world. I'm telling you, I don't, I really don't know what, what uh, great value is putting in this water, but it. I want to preach a message tonight I've entitled, Thank God that the tomb is empty. Thank God tonight the tomb is empty. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, the Bible says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith has nothing to it. I love that. I, and and I'm, I'm reading it in the... Bible version, but I kind of like putting in the 2023 version. Said if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, y'all in trouble. That, that would be 2023 translation. It goes on to say you are still guilty of your sins and those in Christ who have already died are lost. If our hope in Christ is for this life only, listen to this, we should be pitied more than anyone else in the world. Now, once again, let me put the whole thing in 2023. Uh, modern day Patrick Johnson translation. If Jesus is still dead, you're not only in a lot of trouble, you're the most pitiful people on planet Earth and everybody should be laughing at us. Now, why would Paul say that? We're going to look at that in a moment. But thank God the tomb is empty. When I was in China... There was a weekend where we had a holiday. We had a long holiday, and a lot of our church folks had traveled. And because it was a long holiday, some of the guys, uh, some of the folks in our church said, Pastor, we want to take you to Sicha Mountain. Sicha Mountain. Now, I'm not much of a sightseer, but to be a blessing to my folks and to spend time with them, I said, okay, let's go to Sicha Mountain. Now. What they did not tell me about going to Sechar Mountain was you don't just go and look at a mountain. To go to Sechar Mountain means you got to climb a mountain. <laughs> now, if they would have told me this, they would have saw Char by themselves. <laughs> but I didn't find out until we got to the mountain and, and I'm standing there and go, well, what do we do now? And they said, oh, Pastor, we're we going to climb. See, y'all didn't put that in the memo. Climb. It's a three-hour walk straight up the mountain to go see Sechar Put that picture up of, of the people walking. We're, we're kind of walking. This is, that's one of the pictures of my wife and a few of the ladies from our church. That, keep that one right there. Do you see that? Do you see how steep that is? Three hours of doing that right there. That's us. That's, I took that picture. That's our folks walking up the mountain for three hours. We walking up the mountain, and, and on the outside, I'm being very pastoral. I'm like, yes, we're, we're spending time in the, in the fellow. On the inside, I'm thinking, 
man, I can't believe I'm doing this foolishness. I could have took a car. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be an Uber somewhere. Go, go to another. There's another picture. Another picture of us. Okay, you see the picture here? You see the picture? I took this picture. That's my wife right there in the middle and some of the disciples and a few. You see down there where the city is? That's where we started from. And so we do this walk, and when we get to the top of the mountain, this is what was on the top of the mountain. Put that next picture up, my brother. Put that next picture up. I'm, I'm actually the one that took this picture. But go to the next one. Go to the next one. We get, no, the, the big one. The, yes. We get to the top of the mountain, and this is what's at the top of the mountain. And I'm standing down here. I didn't take this picture, but I took the other one like it. I'm standing down here at the bottom. And they say, okay, pastor, let's go up the hill. I said, the devil is alive. You tricked me into walking up the mountain. I'm not climbing not one stair. But I'm standing at the bottom. And I'm looking at this. Now, the majority of those people that are climbing those stairs are not tourists. They are going to worship. The majority of those people that you see climbing those stairs, they are going up there to plead and to pray. Many of these are broken, hurting, desperate people that have needs in their lives that they don't have answers to. In fact, if you notice, there's a little bit of smoke right there. And what that is is people who are burning incense to this thing and they're up there praying to this big giant rock. And I'm looking at this I'm standing at the bottom of the stairs and it breaks my heart as I'm looking at this thinking God here are hurting broken people and they're crying out to a rock that can't do nothing for them. and yet Paul says in our text if Jesus is still in the grave we are way worse than these folks because at least they got a statue oh, y'all didn't hear what I said Paul said, if Jesus did not raise from the grave, then we've got no right to look at the Buddhists. We've got no right to look at the Muslims. We've got no right to look at any other religion. Because if Jesus Christ is still dead, then we are way worse than all of them. Why in the world would he say that? How can we be worse than any other religion on earth? If Jesus is still there, the answer is actually quite simple. The answer is this. Unlike any other religion, when you are a Christian, there is no plan B. What do you mean, preacher? Thank you for asking because I, I wanted to tell you. In the Hindu religion, no, let, let, let's not start with it. I didn't know that there was more than one Buddha. I thought there's only one. Like, there's more than one. In fact, that Buddha is a woman. I'm like, how can there be more than one? In other words, if this Buddha's not doing what I need, to, I can switch and go to plan B. When I was in China, they said Chinese people are atheists. Chinese people are not atheists. Chinese people pray to a lot of things. They have a lot of gods. They pray to their ancestors. That's probably the biggest one is ancestor worship. Once a year, they had something called tomb sweeping. 
Tomb sweeping is where the entire country takes a few days off to go and clean the tomb of their ancestors and to pray to the ancestors for that coming year. Not only that, but there's a lot of Buddhism in China. There's Taoism in China. A lot of Chinese people believe in trees in these days. And if you ever go to a Chinese restaurant, there's always that cat at the door. That's a lucky cat. That's a money cat. It's a money cat. They don't say it's a god, but it's a god. They pray to generals. They're still praying to Mao Zedong. In other words, they got plan A, B, C, D, and if none of them don't work, they just keep on going until they figure out a new one. Hindus have a million gods. That's a lot of plans. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me. Listen, you got a million gods. You can, I mean, come on. If the sun god's tripping like sun god, you ain't doing what I want to do. Forget you. I'm going to go pray to the monkey god. Go to the monkey god. Monkey god, I need your help. Monkey god, you act to forget you. I'm going to the elephant god. If the elephant god ain't doing good, I'm going to pray to the cow. If the... They got all kind of plan B. But for you and I, it's Jesus or bust. Oh, beloved, there is nowhere else where we can go. There is no one else that we can cry out to. In, in fact, in the book of John chapter 6, the Bible says Jesus is preaching to the multitudes and he preached a sermon that they didn't like. The sermon he preached, he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, what he was saying is unless you are fully committed to me, you cannot be my disciple. The Bible says after he preached that sermon, a whole bunch of people got offended. I said, hey, well, we didn't come for no spiritual fish and bread. We want actually fish and bread. Are you going to do another miracle and give us some more fish and some more bread? No. Okay, forget you, Dan. We're going to go find somebody else who can give us fish and bread. Can I tell you something? If you are only serving Jesus for a physical reason, you ain't going to last. That's why all these churches where all these people talk about blessing, 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 and bless you and he'll bless you and he'll bless you and give you, give you, give you, give you. If you're only serving Jesus for what he can physically give you, you won't last. The Bible says after he preached that sermon and a whole bunch of them left, he turned to the disciples and he said, do you also want to leave? Because if you do, I'll go get 12 more just like you. He didn't say that part, but that's what he was kind of insinuating. And Peter said, Lord... Where can we go? You have the words to eternal life. Oh, beloved, that is why if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, we're in a lot of trouble because we have uh, stuck our hopes on what Peter said. Peter said, Lord, there is nowhere else where we can go. There is nothing else that we can do. There is no one else that can do for me what Jesus. If Jesus is still dead, we in a lot of trouble. During the Civil War, during the Civil War, I want you to think about this with me. Don't, don't worry. Don't say amen. I'm, not, I'm just thirsty. Sometimes it's to get your amens ready. Sometimes I'm just thirsty. During the Civil War, the southern states actually thought they were going to win the war. And this ain't about who won and who right and wrong. Which is, it's just an illustration. 
the southern states thought they were going to win the war. So what they did is they came up with their own currency. And they begin to pay their soldiers with their own currency. They, 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 they actually called it uh, 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 the gray dollar. Put that picture up for me, my brother. I, lo I love using picture because it gives people a, a reference point. This was a Confederate currency. And so I want you to think about this with me. Imagine these soldiers are out there fighting and some of them are suffering and some of them are, are, are being maimed. Many of them had lost property. Many of them had made great sacrifices, lost homes and lost family members. And Listen, some of these southern soldiers had made a great sacrifice for what they believed in. And then the war ends and they lost the war. And the only thing they had to show for all their years of fighting, suffering, and sacrifice was this money that wasn't even worth the paper it was printed on. I want you to think about that with me for just a second. The war is over. You've lost. And the money you've made, the money you're depending on because you lost the war is no longer even worth the paper. It's Let me ask a quick question. Is there anyone in this church tonight who has had to make some great sacrifices to be a Christian? Is there anyone here like that? Let me see. Let me see. Is there, is there, uh, nobody? Oh, let me try again. Let me try again. Is there anyone here that has lost some things, maybe some friends, some opportunity, some situation because you're trying to serve Jesus? Is there anyone here that has suffered some painful, some traumatic, difficult times in your life just because you're trying to do this Jesus thing? Is there anyone here? Then if Jesus is still in the grave, then just like these soldiers, this book is not even worth the paper. If Jesus is still in the grave, then all of your sacrifice and all of your suffering and all of your dedication and all of your giving was for absolutely nothing. We have wasted our time. We have wasted our life. And this book is not even worth the paper it's printed on if Jesus is still in the grave. Not only that, the worst part, I haven't even gotten to the worst part yet. I'm going to get to the good part later. I got to do the worst part first. Paul said... If Jesus is still dead, then we are still guilty of sin. One of the scariest thoughts in all the Bible, Revelations chapter 20 verse 10 says that the devil was thrown into the lake of fire. Y'all ever read that? Revelation 20. It said the devil was thrown. Now, remember who? We're talking about the devil. We're talking about the same serpent that was there in the garden that tricked Adam and Eve and caused them to sin and disobey God. We're talking about the devil that has been causing nothing but pain and suffering and death for thousands of years. We're talking about the same devil that went in before God and put Job through all that foolishness. We're talking about the same devil that the Bible says entered Judas and betrayed Jesus. We're talking about the same Satan. I was in heaven, rebelled against God, and brought a third of the angels down here to wreak the havoc that we're facing. And the Bible says that if Jesus is still dead, when we stand before God, we are just as guilty as the devil. 
This is what the Bible says. <laughs> Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The same lake that the devil's going to be in. Hold on a second. I, when I get through part like this, I got to just pray for a second. Okay, let me keep going. If Jesus is still dead, we're in a lot of trouble. There was a, uh, there was a guy. He went to go visit some family members. He was driving through, probably in St. Louis. He was driving through the city. And he said, man, I'm going to go visit my, my cousin and visit some family members. And he decided to stop by their house and go visit. Well, the problem is he didn't know that his cousins and his family members were drug dealers, big-time drug dealers. And that day that he decided to go visit his family was also the day that the DEA and the FBI was going to go visit him. <laughs> He's in there visiting. And they kick down the door and come in with machine guns and scream at everybody, get on the floor. And they find all kind of drugs and all kind of guns and all kind of, and they're locking everybody up. And this poor brother is screaming, hey, I'm just visiting. I don't even live here. I don't know what's going on. They're like, hush your mouth. No, you don't understand. Be quiet. Why? Because you are guilty by association. If Jesus is still in the grave because of what Adam did we are all guilty by association it don't matter but pastor I've never done something it doesn't matter I've never done this I've never done that I didn't do this I've never been here I've don't matter <laughs> if Jesus is still dead then the Bible says that the same guilt and the same judgment that will befall the devil. But can I tell you something tonight? I didn't come to tell you that Jesus is dead. Let me tell you where the sermon came from. Somebody, I, don't, I can't remember who it was and why I was talking about it. But we were talking about Mohammed's tomb. And we're talking about Mohammed's tomb. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, Mohammed's tomb? And we're talking about this man's tomb. I'm not going to show the picture yet, my brother. That's for the end. That's for the end. We're talking about Muhammad's tomb. And about the fact that Muhammad's tomb's got, got guards. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, why, why would the brother's tomb have guards? Because there's people out there who are crazy enough that if that man's tomb didn't have guards and if they didn't put him in this concrete bunker-like thing, they'd go and dig the brother up and be rubbing his bones on him trying to do, you know, oh, I'm going to be super, you know. And yet, Jesus' tomb has nothing. In fact, we ain't going to wait till the end. Put that, put that first picture up, the, 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 the real pretty one, the real pretty one, the real pretty one. Look, I want y'all to look at this with me. Look how beautiful that is. Isn't that gorgeous? That's Mohammed's tomb. Isn't that pretty? That's not beautiful. It's, it's got gold and got the brother sitting over there. He's probably got an AK-47 hiding somewhere just in case, you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And it's, 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 that's beautiful. Okay, go to the next one. Go to the next one. That, that next pretty one. Look at this tomb. Look at this tomb. Look at this. Isn't that beautiful? That's Buddha's tomb. And then look. And, and there's a lots of different pictures of it. It's beautiful. You see people there. And Let me show you another tomb. Go to the next one. Oh, y'all didn't hear me tonight. 
Oh, I'm getting ready to preach. And so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Muhammad gets this beautiful golden scepter. In fact, outside of his tomb is a gigantic beautiful dome. Buddha gets this beautiful, wonderful, you know, marble thing. And, and, and what did Jesus get? A rock in the ground. In fact, they're not even sure if that's his grave. They just picked a hole. Why? Because he's not in there. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, this is the difference. Muhammad is still in there. Buddha is still in there. But when they went to that hole in the ground and they looked, they said, he is not here anymore. He's risen. He has risen. Oh, come on. What does that mean for us? First of all, it means that everything in here is 100% true. It means we can be healed. It, had the baby been able to eat before this, before this afternoon? <laughs> we were driving. We were driving last night, and we were talking to my brother. And he said, Pastor, my daughter loves pizza. We, we gave her some pizza, and she, poor baby, couldn't even eat it. And we prayed for her this morning. I asked her that. Because, I listen, I'm up here preaching, and God told me, pray for her. She's going to eat some pizza today. And we pray. I said, Pastor, I said, my brother, I'm, I'm calling you Pastor. I'm, I'm speeding prophetic. I said, I said, did she have some? He said, Pastor, she ate three slices. You know why? Because the tomb is empty. It means tonight, oh church, we can be forgiven. It means tonight you can walk through these doors having committed all kinds of sin, all kinds of wrong. Your life can be full of pain and heartache and suffering. You can bow your knee and have your name written in the book. I'm working on a sermon. I'm working on a sermon. I'm always working on a sermon. But I'm working on a sermon. I haven't fully developed it yet. I haven't fully de But I want to share this little piece of a thought with you. Have you ever had a dream that you were a superhero? Come on, now, now, now. Don't be all spiritual and all mature on me. No, Pastor, I would. That's for children. Have you ever had a dream that you were a superhero? Have you ever had a dream that you could fly? I have that dream once a week. At least once a week, I'm like, I'm, I'm flying all over the place, waving at American Airlines. No need y'all no more. Keep your, keep your upgrade seats. And, and like I said, I'm, this thought is not fully developed, but do you realize that God said, Think of some of the scriptures in the Bible. You know, Philip disappeared. That brother was one day, he was walking, and he was preaching to somebody. He found this Ethiopian brother. The Ethiopian brother was reading, and Philip was like, man, what you reading? And he's like, I don't really know. And Philip talked to him and preached to him, and then after he got them preaching to him, he baptized him, and when he, Philip dumped him in the water and brought him up, the brother was like, oh, man, I feel great. Philip was like, praise God. And the brother was like, poof. That's not normal. Did you know that one day the disciples were in the upper room? Back then, the upper room would have been concrete, brick, probably, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus walked through a wall. 
The door was locked. He walked right through like, how y'all doing? <laughs> He's like, why y'all tripping? I am not a ghost. I just read it. He's like, I am not a ghost. What's wrong with y'all? He said, ghosts don't have a body. Look, here's my hand. And they're like, oh, it's you, Jesus. After three years, you jokers. Do you know that when Jesus went back to heaven, he just took off. He's, he's talking to him. He's like, yeah, I'm um, going to all the world and, and preach, just preach the gospel and people are going to get saved and going to get delivered and I give you authority and see y'all later. <laughs> the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ and we are going to be just like him. Church, I won't even get no deeper. Because Jesus is alive, there is supernatural blessing and supernatural. Oh my goodness. There was a, I just finished reading the book. I read a, the autobiography of Reinhard Bunke. And in the story of Reinhard Bunke was, a, was a, just a, a very sad yet encouraging story. And it's the story about Bukavu Prison. Bukavu Prison, and I might be saying it wrong, I believe it's in, uh, it's, it's there in Africa. It's not a prison as much as it's just a cage where they house men. It's in the Congo. It's a cage where they house men who are on death row. Let me tell you a little bit about Bukavu Prison. When you get sent to Bukavu Prison, it means that you are on death row and you, are, you have been sentenced to death. And what they do, they put you in a cage. They don't feed the prisoners because in their minds, you are going to die anyway. Why would we waste money and food on you? And so if a prisoner in that prison eats, it's because someone who cares about them comes in and pushes a little bit of food through the fence to them. The way that they chain the people in that prison is you go and you get your chains welded on. You go into a blacksmith shop and you get chains. The blacksmith breaks the chains off of somebody who's dead and they then take those chains and weld them onto you. Many of the prisoners die from the, from the infection that just comes from being having chains. It's a horrible place. Now, the way that they execute people is as you're in this fence, outside of the yard is a gigantic tree. Once a month, the executioner comes. All the prisoners are lined up. The executioner takes a rope. He throws it over a very large limb, and one by one, they call them in. And a man walks up. They put the rope around his neck, and the executioner literally pulls on it. He dies. They just move him out. Of, and they, Can you imagine standing in that line, having no idea if today... He's going to be too tired or if it is horrible. And so Reinhard Bunke, this great evangelist, he goes there just to visit. And while he's there, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He sees this man and God says to him, I want you to tell that man, I'm going to rescue him from this prison and I'm going to use his life. And Reinhard Bunke says, God, please don't let me do this. I, I don't want to give that man that kind of. Hope and God said, You go tell him right now. And and Reinhard Bunk is looking at this man. This man is he's emaciated, he's sick, he's he's dying. 
And yet Reinhardt obeyed God and he goes and he tells this man, said, listen, the living God of heaven says you are not going to die at this tree. You're not going to stay in this prison. You are going to be delivered from this prison and God's going to use your life. Not many days later, this is not normal. That man gets a pardon out of Bukavu prison. They take the shackles off of him and he walks out a free man. That is a perfect picture of what Jesus did for you and I. Oh, church, can you imagine, can you understand spiritually speaking, that was you and I. We were in a horrible sin, is a horrible, filthy, nasty, dirty prison. There is no help. There is no hope when you're in sin. My brother, my brother Cody testified last night, and my brother testified about being on fentanyl and these drugs and suffering and struggling. I'm talking about bondages that are welded on your soul, and you feel I can never be free, and you're in this prison of sin, but because Jesus rose from the grave, the reason you're here tonight is when Jesus rose from the grave, he sent you a word that says, listen, this is not the end for you. Uh, oh, glory. Church, I could preach this sermon all night, but I'm not going to do that because we're going to go get some chicken later. <laughs> Jesus is alive. He's alive. There's a painting. Let me, let me, let me. I want to keep going, but I need to, I need to close. There was a painting. There was these young men that went to a, a museum. And while they were in this museum, there was a bunch of young professional athletes and young stars. They went to this museum, and while they were in this museum, there was a painting. Go ahead and put that painting up, that last one for me. One of the young men came across this painting. The title of this painting, very famous painting, the title of it is called Checkmate. And the painting is actually depicting the devil playing against a young man. And if you know anything about chess, you see that the devil got a whole bunch of pieces. The young man only got a he's you he's losing. And so this young man, they're walking through the, the, the museum, and this young man gets to this painting, and he just kind of pauses and he's looking at the board and looking at it, kind of shaking his head. Saying, mm -mm. And so the proprietor of the museum kept on going, then he realized this young man was missing. He went back to go find him. He went back to go see what, what, what's going on. When he went back, he found a young man standing and looking at this paint, staring at it. And the, the proprietor of the, of the museum said, young man, what's the problem? And the young fellow said, well, I'm a chess grandmaster. That's what I do for a living. And he says, this painting is wrong. He said, how can, how can the people's painting be wrong? It's a multi-million dollar painting, is it? He said, well, the problem is, the painting is wrong because it can't be checkmate. So they're either going to have to change the painting or they're going to have to change the name. And he said, uh, <laughs> the, the museum creator, he's like, oh, please explain to me what you're talking about. The young man says, well, as I said, I'm a chess grandmaster. And as I'm looking at this board, he said, I know it looks bad, but it can't be checkmate. He says, why can't it be checkmate? And the young man said, because the king still has one more move. Did you hear what I said? He said he can't be checkmate. Listen, they did beat him beyond recognition. The Bible said he didn't even look like a man anymore. 
They took a crown of thorns, and these thorns, I've seen them. They're like nails. They're hard as nails. And they took it, and they didn't, they didn't just sit it on his head. They pushed it into his skull to where he was bleeding. They took rusty, horrible nails, and they drove it. In, 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 in Bible times, the human hand is not is considered from the tips of your finger to about halfway down your hand. They could not have put the nails here because that part of your hand is not strong enough to hold the body up. They would have put the nails here. Well, the problem with putting the nails here is there's some very sensitive nerves right here that all you got to do is touch it and it'll send shockwaves through your whole body. They drove the nails right into it. That's where they put the nails. Quite possibly into the bone, in, into and through the bone. They put the nails in his feet. And I don't know if you know about the feet, but your feet has some of the smallest bones. Uh, and some of them, uh, have, have you ever kicked your toe on the side of the bed? Good God in heaven. And so when they put the nails in his feet, what would have happened was all those nerves and all those bones would have caused excruciating pain. The word excruciating actually means out of the cross. That's where that word comes from. They did that to him. The Bible says they took a spear and they pierced his side. And some scholars say the reason why blood and water came out is because that spear, they did all that to him. And when they were done, he didn't look like a man anymore. He looked like an animal that had been abused by a bunch of men. They did all that to him. And the Bible says they took him down and they put him in a tomb. Put that, put that tomb back up, my brothers. They put him in a tomb. They just, they just put him in a hole. And they took a big old rock and they rolled it across the front of it. And on day one... <laughs> I'm sure the devil was celebrating. Because on day one, the devil's got to be thinking, I got him. I can't believe I got, I can't believe I killed God's son. I'm sure that on day one, the devil, just like people are going to do in Revelation, was shaking his fist. I told you I'd win. I told you. I'd. And God just stayed silent. On day number two, I'm sure the devil was down in hell celebrating and sipping on lava. Because that's what they would drink down there is lava. I, but on day number three, the king had one more move. Oh, thank you. On day number three, the king made a move and messed up the devil. And by that one move, Jesus walked out of that tomb. And because he's alive, you and I can be alive tonight and will be alive forevermore. Can you say amen? Oh God. That's why we say tonight, thank God the tomb is empty. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Heads about, eyes are closed tonight. Quickly tonight, we're going to close our service.